This is listener-supported WPKN in Bridgeport at 89.5 FM. We're online at WPKN.org. I'm Valerie Richardson, and I'm very happy to welcome Nick Ferriolo to the airwaves. Hi, Nick. How are you? Good, Valerie. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm excited about this. I always enjoy talking about um, talking about osprey. I enjoy talking about birds and osprey in particular. And so you are the project coordinator for Osprey Nation. Um, why don't you talk about just um, the, the, the organization and sort of the mission of, of what Osprey Nation does? For sure. Yeah, so Osprey Nation is a citizen science project that is statewide um, and is head up by Connecticut Audubon Society, who I work for. Um, we do, I direct the, the stewards and, and sort of coordinate that effort, um, monitors all across the state, watching Osprey um, and recording, reading information when they arrive, when they depart, how many chicks they had, sort of all things Osprey. Uh, this year we have a network of about 390 monitors um, in our 10th year of the project. It originally started in 2014. Um, we're in our 10th year now and we started with just 100 monitors and now we are up to 390, so we're really excited about that. Um, yeah, and that's sort of the overall gist of the project. Well, I had invited you on today because I know that um, being an Osprey monitor myself, and, and very happy and proud to be one, that you are still looking for for some Osprey monitors to to finish out the season. And um, this is a really exciting time of the year because the, the chicks are hatching or have hatched and you start to see them poking above the nest, and then start to start to fly. So, where where in particular are you um, are you looking for? Uh, this is so, sort of all over the state. Absolutely, yeah. So this time of year is really critical. We have nests that have been underway for quite some time. And this time of year, we're really interested in getting that fledgling information. So chicks that have grown and are ready to leave the nest finding out how many fledglings we have across the state is one of the best ways that we can gauge where the population is going. Is it growing? Is it declining? Um, based on what we've seen over the past few years, there's no indications that we're declining. Um, so we really want to just continue collecting that information to see where we're trending in the future. Um, as I was saying, this year is a record year for stewards. We're at 390, but we are still looking for some. Um, primarily, along the coast that's our highest density of osprey nests particularly the old lime area there are a lot of nests there some of which still need monitors um, but there are nests we have nests in every county in the state um, and we're right around 175 nests that still need coverage for this year and i would guess if people just google osprey nation they can probably that would get you to the right or, or, yeah, you, or so you could give us the exact address yeah, so if you go to ctaudubon.org, um, you can click on the tab there. There's one for citizen science, and then you get to Osprey Nation. Um, if you're interested in more information, you can just shoot me an email. I'm at osprey at ctaudubon.org. I can get you started with our sign-up sheet and really get things rolling if you're interested. Um, we do have a map on the website, so if you go to that Osprey Nation page, um, you can take a look at the map right now. There are a lot of different colored pins, but each of the pins represents a known osprey nest location. Um, and the colors mean all sorts of things. Like I said, right now, 
but the pins that we're most interested in getting information for are red pins, which indicate that there is no data that has been collected for this season. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the um, sort of the, the miracle of the of the Osprey and the comeback and sort of how this this whole Osprey Nation project came to be in the first place as monitoring this, as the Osprey went from almost non-existent in Connecticut to um, to being being very existent and all over the place. Absolutely. Osprey are really one of the state's most impressive um, conservation recovery stories. Like I was saying this year, we're at a record number of stewards. We are at an all-time record number um, of nests that we have data collected for. But yeah, that wasn't always the case. Looking back to the mid-20th century, um, the United States was using a chemical pesticide called DDT, um, really good at killing insects, not really good for the rest of the environment, but we didn't know that at first. So they're rolling out this pesticide that ends up in our waterways and in our aquatic food webs. And of course, osprey, very dependent on our waterways, um, eating fish entirely for their diet. So it became pretty apparent that this chemical was affecting the birds with the most noticeable effect being thinning of eggshells. The chemical in the bird system inhibits the calcium production. So they're laying eggs that are either cracking as soon as they lay them or they can lay them and then um, when they go to incubate them, the eggs are breaking. So sort of with the rolling out of this pesticide, we see a significant decline in the osprey population in southern New England and specifically in Connecticut to the point where in 1970, there's only eight recorded osprey nesting pairs in the state. Wow. So, yeah, a really sharp, sudden decline. Um, And then in 1972, the United States government banned DDT because of the effect that it was having on the environment, sort of 180 our conservation environmental perspective. Um, And a slow recovery took place over many years after the ban of DDT. And in the state of Connecticut, DEP was monitoring Osprey all the way up until 2010 through that recovery period. And in 2010, with the number of nests we had, we sort of realized that this effort would be best turned over to the citizens of the state. There are too many nests for a single or a couple biologists to monitor. So in 2014, Connecticut Audubon partnered with DEP and sort of initiated this Osprey Nation effort. So we have monitors who are all over the state and can have eyes and ears on these nests more regularly throughout the breeding season than one or two people would have been able to do. So as a result, in 2014, 100 nests, 100 monitors with around 175 nests, and then the project has grown really into um, something incredible. I think it took off and, and has gained a lot more traction than anyone could have imagined when it first started. But it turns out that Connecticut residents, to no surprise, are interested in osprey. They're these big, conspicuous birds that you can really grow to love. And Valerie's a monitor. I'm sure you can attest to the enjoyment that watching a nest throughout the season brings and, and sort of seeing that pair raise chicks and those chicks grow up. It, it's rewarding for a lot of people. Yeah, I've, I've been. To, I think this is my fourth year, and I have. I can't remember somewhere somewhere around ten nests, I think, and and some of them are very close to where I live, um, and up on up and along the Quinnipiac River, and I have a few up in North Haven. The, the, and some of the ones I was I've been monitoring in North Haven for the last several years did not have 
osprey, and they all have osprey this year. I think every nest, almost every nest I have has osprey. And and it is it is um, it is very interesting, and I've I'm just I'm fascinated by the, just their whole their whole life cycle as well. I, I actually um, I wrote an article about it for the New Haven Independent last summer, which you can look up, and I will say to look it up, and primarily for the amazing phot- photography from Monica Nichols. That's part of the part of the article. But um, the osprey are very uh, very solitary birds. They're they're born they are raised and um so these these little chicks that are i'm seeing on the nest right now they i guess they usually breed when around april or so yeah around april things will sort of start to get kicked off for the year and then the the chicks are the chicks are hatching the chicks will are beginning to fledge and they will be sticking around for a few more months into um about mid-fall or so and then each individual chick all by itself, they don't they don't flock. Each individual chick will take off and go to somewhere in the um, the Amazon rain base, rain rainforest, um, the Amazon basin, river basin, and and they'll stay there for a couple of years, and then they somehow make their way back twenty four hundred miles to where they were where they were first born. So exactly, it's, exactly, it's, it's fascinating. It's a very incredible journey. Um, for those young birds to sort of yeah make their way down there and then come back to a state as small as Connecticut, um, and we have platforms that are all around the state, and and you sort of see birds come back and platforms that get used that haven't been used in years, and you're like, okay, well, is that a, a new young pair that's coming back, or is it an old pair? There's a lot of movement among nest sites you're saying you're seeing some platforms or, or nests that are getting used this year that haven't in the past and that's something that we're noticing is sort of a shift is going on um and i think that's really interesting because you can start to ask questions like are those young birds are they old birds why is this shift occurring um what makes this site that was previously occupied less suitable than the one that's maybe 30 yards from it um it's really interesting stuff. I'm speaking with Nick Ferriolo, who is the project coordinator for Osprey Nation, a citizen science monitoring group, uh, monitoring Osprey in Connecticut. And um, they are looking for volunteers to um, finish out the season. And it's a, it's a great time to volunteer because there, there are a couple of months where you just, you, you basically are sitting, seeing the, seeing the, the birds sitting on the nest and sitting on the nest and sitting on the nest. And occasionally, if you're really, um, if you're really lucky, you will see one of the, one of them. Um, Cause usually the, the female sits on the nest and the male goes out and finds the fish and brings it back. I actually saw two, two osprey mating this year, which was, that was a first for me, but usually it's just, usually, <laughs> it's, just, usually it's just a lot of, a lot of one bird sitting on the nest. Um, but right, but right. now, now you start, now I, w- I went out on Saturday and it's like, Oh, I see little, I see little heads. And then, um, as I was saying to you, there are some that are sitting on the nest, and it's 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 a little hard once they start getting big to tell if it's a a juvenile or if it's an adult. There's a slight there's a variation in the feathers, and the the white on the juveniles is not quite as intense. But um, exactly. But it's um yeah it's it's this is this is really cool. I would I would encourage you if you are interested in birds and in osprey and and the environment and. Um, just, just sort of watching the wonders of, of these birds to, uh, to sign up for this. Absolutely. If I could just say, 
the project is for anybody. I, like Valerie, you just said, if you're at all interested, we have a lot of nests across the state. We have nests on platforms, telephone poles, utility lines. They're all over the place. So chances are we can find you a nest and get you involved in this project. So just reach out and, and, and get things started. It's a very rewarding experience. I had to, had the occasion to speak last year when I was doing the New Haven Independent article with um, is it Milan Bull, um, mm-hmm. who is I, I guess he really started the project right. He, he started, exactly. He started, yep. he started Osprey Nation, and and we talked a lot about the, both both the growth of the Osprey and, and why why do Osprey find this particular area so um, wonderful to be for their for their environment for their feeding and it's it's largely i guess because of the bunker that are here and these big 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 schools of fish that's the primary thing the osprey are called fish hawks so it's exactly. these big schools of fish and and they're actually they find a lot more food here than they do in south america so that's i guess one reason why they would want to come up 2400 miles but it, you know i'm i'm thinking this summer and especially with this this intense heat in so many places, this this uh, this really climate change and global warming so so evident. You just you just wonder what's going to be happening with the fish because they're also very very sensitive to to environments and and uh, they do have die offs sometimes. So um, that, that's a scary thing. It's we're seeing the osprey really thriving at the same time. It, are there are there is their food source being endangered? Exactly. And that was something when DDT was coming out, the chemical that Osprey were so great at because they're exclusively eating fish. They are really good indicator species. They can tell us how is the water quality, how are our water resources, including the fisheries. When you have such a close tie, you look at something like bald eagles, bald eagles fish, but they also will eat terrestrial prey. So with osprey being directly linked to fish and fisheries, it, they're a really unique species in that they can sort of give us an indication of is there a change happening. And, and absolutely with climate change, we don't necessarily know how that's going to affect the fisheries and the, and the birds, but any indication we can get is going to come from them. So that's why yeah, watching them is, is really important and and having an effort like this is is our best chance at at detecting a change like that now you're talking about the the whole thing with citizen scientists and and how the the monitoring the osprey had outgrown the the professional biologists who could be monitoring them but do they do they go out and tag a number of the osprey that are here do they do they monitor certain birds there was an effort, I believe, around the time um, the project was started that DEP was doing some banding of birds. So they'll just attach a metal band. Um, and I believe that study was also doing work with spatial data, so putting some sort of tracker on the bird. Um, but I don't know that there's been any recent effort to do that. Osprey are tricky because they're fishing and it's hard to capture to lure something in with a fish because how are you going to catch it in the water um so the 
a lot of the banding that gets done for Osprey, not only in Connecticut, but outside of Connecticut, is done on chicks because they're in the nest. They can't fly. You can attach the band. And then once they go, you can track that chick throughout its life. But actually getting adults um, becomes a bit trickier. I can also recommend um, the, that wonderful documentary, which is called Season of the Osprey, um, which is takes place in, I guess, right at the Connecticut River, um, the mouth of the Connecticut River, right? Um, it was a PBS Nature special, and I think you can find it on most streaming services. Um, it was narrated by Paul Giamatti, and that's, that's, mm. a, that's an amazing. Have you seen that? I have not had a chance to take a look at that yet. A lot of the stewards have mentioned it to me and, and have said incredible things about um, how it was, but I have not had a chance to take a look at it yet. And it's, it, it, it does show just the real, um, uh, the, the vulnerability of the birds, um, the, the real fascination with the, how, how they come back to the same nest. And the, and the male and female will separate. They separate over the, over the winter as well. And so they, but they both will come back to the same nest. One of my friends lives in old Lyme and she's an Osprey monitor. And she says they every single year, both, both the, the male and the female are back on the exact same day every single year, which is pretty it, amazing. It's very impressive. And that's the other thing, too, is not only the same location, but a lot of stewards, I'm reading the reports that come in, it's a large part of what I do as the coordinator is have intake of those reports and, and get them published to our map so that folks can see them. But a lot of the ones that came in early season the stewards are saying same day that they were here last year or they're a day late or they're a day early, but it's not only the, the return to that same spot, but yeah, like you're saying, the timing of it is really impressive and it's impressive in every way. If you just think about how those birds know when to leave, when to get here. And I mean, if you're super late, then sort of the whole timing of things is going to be off when you get to breeding and, and rearing chicks. Um, we do see nests that start later in the summer, young birds or, or just a pair that's getting started late. And those are the chicks that are really leaving in that October, um, end of September time. But some of our earlier nests now are fledging. Just this past couple of week, I've been, weeks, I've been getting reports of, of chicks that are fledging out. So the, the timing of it is fascinating and just the birds themselves. <laughs> I, know, I know you have a huge job just keeping track of all of this, the, the monitors and the many reports that come in and the many questions from people like me who don't know how to do certain things. And um, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of data to handle. Right. It is. It's impressive when you get to look at it, and I'm looking forward to the end of the season seeing everything sort of there and, and just the number of people that went into producing something like that. But I, I enjoy the questions, and, and I get a lot of pictures throughout the day. Folks will send me fishing pictures. They'll send me um, chick pictures this time of year. All the chick pictures are coming in, which are really cool to see. Um, it's a lot of communicating and I get to meet a lot of the stewards, um, over the phone or, or, or just communicating through email. It's, it's nice. There are stewards like yourself who've been on the project a couple of years. There are some stewards who have been with the project since it started. Um, and, and folks who are just getting started this year. So really getting to see all the people that make up this effort is, is one of, in my opinion, the most rewarding parts of, of doing this. And, and I'm learning things from folks and, and 
hopefully they're learning things as well and observing things that are new and it's just a one big learning experience and it's great. Now, do you have a, a biology background yourself? How did you get into this? I do. I went, I had my undergrad at the University of Maine in Orono, um, but I did grow up in Connecticut. Um, I'm originally from New Haven County and spent a lot of my summers down at Hammond Asset. And of course, there are a lot of platforms there and they have their camera and with the Osprey on it. And it's, it's a great spot for Osprey. So yeah, that is that is a good, that is a good spot. Um, so, why don't you why don't you say again? Um, tell people how they can get more information and find out how they can become a monitor if they so wish. And, and again, this is a really exciting time of the year to become a monitor. You'll still have a, a at least a two or three more months before um, before the, everyone has left and gone to South America. For sure, for sure. Yeah, if there's ever a time to get in, it's now when all the chicks are coming. This is. This is the exciting time of year. But yeah, folks can either reach out to me um, directly at the Osprey email. So it's just all lowercase Osprey at ctaudubon.org. Or you can visit our website. If you type in Osprey Nation or Connecticut Audubon Osprey Nation, you'll get the website. Um, on there, we have our map, which will show you where all the pins are. You can zoom in and see, is there a pin near you? Um, and then reach out to me with with ever pin that is and we can go from there so it's the red pins that are still needing monitors right correct red pins do not have data yet for this year some of the red pins do have monitors um and we're in the process of getting in touch with those folks to see if they do have data um but some of the red pins do not have monitors and don't have data and that could be because those nests are no longer there especially nests that aren't on platforms can get blown down um, in the off season, cell tower companies will remove nests so that they can service the tower. So even if that's the case, if, if you find a nest that's near you that's red, but there's no data and you visit it and there's nothing there, that's still a data point that can be incredibly useful for us to get a more accurate number of how many birds we actually have and how many nests we actually have. Yeah, if, and if you're like me, I've, as I've gone on, I, I started out in this one area with, I think, two, three three nests in that one area and every year there are more and more nests and, and I assume it's probably some of the chicks who are coming back to their where they were where they were raised and making mm-hmm. making new nests and there was one one couple last year that didn't really start the nest until it was well well into the summer and I I, I, I don't think they were actually I think I think sometimes they do sort of um, sort of a dry run before before they actually start breeding. And so that nest, and it's not a very big nest, it's not, it's not one of the more substantial nests I've seen, um, that, that couple is back, did come back, and, and they, I think there is a chick there. So that's, that was exciting. But for sure. They're, they're yeah, there are, more and more all the time. For sure. And that's, I think, how a lot of people will also start. They'll have one nest or they'll watch one or two nests and, it becomes, oh, I, I go once a month because we're really interested in any data that folks can collect. Our monitoring protocol um, suggests twice a month, and we have stewards that go every day. We have stewards that go a couple times a season. So we're appreciative and welcoming of anything that, that folks can collect. But I think a lot of times it starts with one or two nests that you visit maybe once or 
once a month or once every two months. And I mean, now we have some stewards like yourself who have more than five nests. Um, we have some folks who are covering the majority of nests in a single town. So it, it can really be however much or however little you want it to be in terms of the time commitment, in terms of, of anything. Yeah. And it's some of the, some of the nests that, um, that I have are, are way, way, way high up. There's, there are a couple that are on cell phone towers. Those aren't quite Mm. as, quite as interesting because you can, you can sometimes see the birds coming and going. It's hard to, it's hard to actually monitor if there, if there are chicks, but you can at least see that there's some activity up there. Um, but some some of them are really close up, and I live in um, I'm I'm in Fairhaven. I live in Fairhaven, and right on right on the Quinnipiac. And so there is a um, there's there's a nest right in our neighborhood, sort of plopped down mm-hmm. right in the middle of right in the middle of a park. And so they're they're sort of the neighborhood osprey. That's awesome. They really are opportunistic. We have plenty of platforms, and they'll make use of the platform, but. There are plenty of cases where, yeah, they'll they'll plop down wherever. Um, this past week, a steward who's in Norwalk sent me a picture of a nest that's on the ground. There are osprey nesting on the ground, and they have three chicks. Oh my so goodness! It, it it's really impressive to see the length that they'll go to, and and just how committed they are to a nest site or to that area. And again, we don't necessarily know why you would choose to nest on the ground versus nesting on a platform. But that's the type of thing that hopefully in time with enough observations and enough data, we can sort of begin to form answers to questions. I don't know that we'll ever truly know, but unless Osprey start talking, but (laughs) (laughs) until then we can form pretty strong hypothesis. Well, thank you so much, Nick. It's really been, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and I, I very much appreciate all that you do for Osprey Nation, and um, it's it's going to be exciting to see how the how the year turns out. Can you remember how many how many nests it was last year? Was it eight hundred something? Last year for nests, we had nests with data was eight hundred and twenty seven, so an impressive jump from the hundred and seventy something that it was in its first year. Um, and looking at this year's numbers, it's a little early to call, but we're thinking we'll be in line with that number, if not above it or below it slightly. Hopefully above. Well, I will. Um, I will post this interview on the internet. I'll just give you a link to it, and so um, and also direct other people so they can find out. So I, it's it's it's. I think I think a lot of people just as you say they are such they're such big birds. They are just so evident, and. And it's just, um, the, you know, the, the, and there's so much a part of our region. And I'm sure we have probably some Long Island listeners. This is not a project that's on Long Island, but, um, you know, probably have have also lots of lots of fondness for Osprey. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Valerie, for having me and, and for all the work that you and the other stewards do to sort of on the ground to make this project what it is. Well, thank you. And I'll, I'll talk to you, talk to you again sometime. Thank you. Bye bye. Awesome. And this is listener-supported WPKN in Bridgeport at 89.5 FM, online at WPKN.org. We've got some messages coming up in uh, just a few seconds here, and I will be back with you after that.